1: Hey guys, and welcome to Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi,
0: Mandy. How are you?
1: I'm doing so great. It's been such a busy couple of weeks for me. Uh, I know we just had a week off, but I didn't feel like I had a week off because I had my mom in town, so I was... Yikes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We might want to reword that one.
1: (laughs) You know how it is. Yeah. It's just busy when you have family in town. Yeah. I wasn't just laying around on a sofa for a week. But that's the dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. But I'm happy to be back to my normal routine um, so and happy to be back here with you. Eh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a meh on that part of it. But so happy to be back to the show. I missed it. It was very good to have a week off. We put our house on the market and basically sold it in 12 hours. She's crazy, you guys. I am She's very crazy. crazy. Like two <laughs> weeks ago, she came up with this idea. She's like, Mandy,
1: I think I want to sell my house. And I was like, okay, well, you know, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> and then, next thing you know, she tells me this past Thursday that the house is going on the market. And then, like the very next morning, she calls me and says, it's under contract.
0: So Yeah. I like to move fast. Yeah, I like to move fast. I guess real so.
1: Fast. But now you're homeless.
0: So you better figure it out really fast. Technically I'm homeless, <laughs> but someone will take me in under a bridge or something. I'll be good.
1: So while we were on our break though, we did decide to add a new segment to the show and we're going to try to do this every week um at the beginning.
0: Yeah. No, I'm looking at you like I'm wondering like did we mean to do this? Like how did this happen again? I don't remember. I it's one of these terrible ideas that we come up with and just send the other one. The other one like won't say no, and so they just say yes, and then we think like, (laughs) what do we do here? And so that's what we're bringing you. I think it's a good idea though.
1: It is. So we actually put this to a vote in our Facebook group. We wanted to see what you guys would like us to name um, this segment, and we had so many good suggestions. I had such a hard time picking. Uh, Melissa asked me to pick my top three favorites, and she picked her top three favorites, and then we uh, did a poll in our group, and Melissa, what were the choices?
0: Oh, I don't remember all of them, and you've put me on this spot, but the top two were We Yelped This City, and the other one was More Stuff We Googled, Yeah, right? And both very appropriate for us. Yes. I like that people really understand what we're going for, which is <laughs> – I don't even know. If you can tell me, that'd be great. So um, the vote was very close. It was
1: very close. And we listened
0: to your <laughs> opinions, and we valued them. But we decided to go with the one that we liked more <laughs> at the end of the day, which was We
1: Yelped This City.
0: Come on. doesn't Don't you hear the song whenever you say it? Yeah. Can you Did sing it? it? No, because I think we'd have to pay for it, and I'm not down for that. So yeah, so this is part of We Yelped This City. This will be our new little segment. Will it last? I don't know. Does anything really last? I don't know. Chloe and her new baby daddy? gone. Over. It's already over. So this could be a Chloe baby daddy situation. I don't know yet. So tonight's story comes to us from Newton, Kansas. This on the premiere of We Yelped This City. So here we go. Newton, Kansas. Here's what you need to know. Population of Newton is 19,000. Wow. Population of Orlando is 277,000. So take that Newton and Put it in your bonnet. I don't know what you do with that kind of information, (laughs) but it's a small town. It's not a large town. But speaking of 19,000 people, Mandy, in 2015, 19,000 people were injured by doing what? Any ideas? 19,000 people. The year's going to help you.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Like Like 2016,
0: you'd know, and 2015, you wouldn't. In 2015, 19,000 people were injured doing what? I have no idea, Melissa. You're a stinker. Okay, 19,000 people injured themselves on a treadmill. But this is why you don't exercise, guys. If you run outside, you get murdered. If you run inside, you're going to get injured. There's just no (laughs) up for it. Eat some candy and enjoy your life. So back to Newton. Newton was actually named after Newton, Massachusetts in 1871. Uh, During World War II, the Newton Airport was taken over by the U.S. Navy and was used as a naval air station look at how much you're learning here, guys. (laughs) This is educational now. We're doing it all. We're doing it all. We're living. Mandy's whole face is red. I can't even. So uh, speaking of Newton again, here's a fun fact about our buddy, Sir Isaac Newton, who is the father of gravity. I didn't read these to Mandy before, so this is all brand new for her. So Sir Isaac Newton was not only a genius, he was also a politician, but he wasn't a really great politician. And in his year as a member of parliament, he spoke up only one time, and that was to tell someone to close a window. So I really understand Isaac Newton on a deep personal level. He wanted a sweater. Nobody gave him a sweater, and he just said, please, somebody shut this stupid window. Why are we doing this? Poor guy. Yeah. So, there's some fast facts about Newton, Kansas and Newton and the number 19,000 you never thought you'd ever need to know. <laughs> you and <probably> we're won't. <laughs> And I hope you forget all of this and we're never doing this segment again.
1: Before we get into this week's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor.
0: right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy zero dollar delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience.
1: Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply.
0: Mandy, here we go. Let's get into the story of that happened in Newton, Kansas. Let's do it, Melissa. On September 23rd, 1969, Tanya Tandock was born to two doctors, Valentine and Bonnie Tandock, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. That's a mouthful. Her parents moved to Newton, Kansas, where they raised Tanya and her siblings up through high school. Tanya was the oldest of three children in the family, having a sister named Alyssa and a brother named Warren. Tanya was smart and eventually graduated from Newton High School early and with honors. From there, she went on to attend the University of Kansas, and in the early 90s, she went to the California Culinary Academy. Eventually, she earned a bachelor's degree from Wichita State University, where she also graduated with honors.
1: After college, Tanya took a job working in a well-known restaurant in Wichita. She opened her first restaurant called Tanya's Soup Kitchen, where she only served lunch. The restaurant quickly grew in popularity, and Tanya became known for her quirky personality and her gourmet soups and sandwiches. So, Mandy, what kind of soup do you like? I think my favorite is potato soup.
0: (laughs) That's the most boring soup of them all. I know.
1: I knew you were going to say that because you don't strike me as a potato
0: soup person. Now, based on personality, what soup would I be? Tomato, you know what? (laughs) Cream of mushroom. I don't know. Cream of mushroom. Nobody eats that. Just like it's garbage that nobody gives anybody. Mandy, that's mean. (laughs) No, you're, man. My feelings are hurt on this one. So my favorite is tomato bisque, medium. It's that. That's basically tomato soup. What's that from, Mandy? You don't even know. I it's sure like don't. the baguette. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, one of my favorite shows. I keep talking about this. Seinfeld. My favorite. She's rolling her eyes. My favorite podcast is Seincast. One of my favorites. You have to check it out. But the whole thing on Seinfeld, they could do like lots of episodes on soups. Mandy's literally playing with her hair and is zoned out at this point. <laughs> but they do a whole thing about soup not being a meal. It's not a meal. Do you call it a meal, Mandy? I. You can eat soup as
1: a meal if you have like a whole entire loaf of bread to go with it. Okay. But that's, like, about it, I think. Yeah.
0: So the whole thing was, like, this one comedian, Kenny Banya, he wanted to Jerry to take him out, like, as a payment, like, to dinner. And so they went out to dinner, and he gets soup. And so whenever he's like, yeah, no, we already went out to dinner, he's like, no, I just had soup. That's not a meal. That's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, they talk about croutons and all that stuff. So anyway, I love that. So, uh, yeah, tomato bisque is – Probably my favorite. Tomato, anything tomato base. That's just good. I'm not a mushroom person. With
1: a few years of business success under her belt, Tanya married a local musician from Wichita named Wayne Gottstein in 2001. Wayne had just started what would be a long-running gig in a bluegrass band called Split Lip Rayfield, who produced really, really awesome knee slappers, if you can call them that. So we will link to that website where you can go and check out some of those lovely, lovely pieces of ear music. Earworms, if you will. There you go. Yeah, it's great. You guys will have to check that out. So on the note of that website for that band, Split Lip Rayfield, when I went there, um, first of all, let me just say I was very impressed with the website. Did you visit the website, Melissa? I cruised the website, Did you have the sound on on your browser? I always have it silent. So it's, um, the whole website is kind of like old video game themed. Like it kind of looked like... I don't know, like old version Mario. Right. And every time you scrolled over something, it would make like that.
0: I don't know. No, it
1: would do like the da da da. Like, I don't know. It was was like one of those. It was like a video game. And then um, it's this real, real country style. I mean, it's bluegrass. And this is from a Kansas band. So you can imagine it's very country right and um all the album covers or song covers any the music art they have um for all their songs it all looks like a heavy metal rock band <laughs> like it yeah, doesn't I, look like any i mean it didn't like look, a creepy
0: clown on was, there yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah it was very confusing yeah i didn't know i their didn't know marketing where I was. direction
0: <laughs> left something to be desired really so tanya's marriage
1: to wayne uh lasted 13 years before they divorced in april of 2015
0: in 2004, Tanya lost the lease to her restaurant, and the business shut its doors for seven years. Later, they reopened in a new location in 2011. Once again, her business model proved to be a success, and her new restaurant quickly grew in popularity, just as the first one had. Customers were drawn to her bubbly, outgoing, and quirky personality. Those who knew her would often find her smoking her favorite brand of American Spirit cigarettes on the front step of her restaurant.
1: So American Spirit, Cigarettes, reminded me of that movie. Have you seen that movie, Definitely, Maybe? Sounds like a romantic comedy, so no. (laughs) It totally is a rom-com. Yeah. (laughs) It's so cute, though. It has Ryan Reynolds and that cute little girl. Gosh, I can't even think of her name now. Oh, he's like a dad. And he's like telling the story of how he met the mom, but then like... It's all this, like, big secret, and he there's, like, three women in the story, and, like, the daughter's trying to figure out which one in the story is...
0: I'm her. sorry. That's How I Met Your Mother as a movie, and that... Oh. Somebody needs to sue somebody no. over that. I never watched that show.
1: Um, but it's really cute. But anyway, in that movie, there um, one of the women, like, smokes American spirit cigarettes, oh. and there was, like, this whole thing about how, like, you're just paying for, like, the brand of it, and then she said that, like, I guess they burn slower. Oh. So, really, they're still, like... Better for you in a way. I don't know. It was just it made me think of that movie. Yeah,
0: no, I I believe you. <laughs> and now I know how you feel when I talk about Seinfeld, because that was weird. <laughs> in addition to running Tanya's soup kitchen, she also taught popular cooking classes at both restaurant locations. And her aspirations didn't just end with cooking. Tanya was a talented belly dancer, known for her skill in a specific style called American tribal style dance. Was not aware there were specific styles. I thought you stood there your top half stayed still, the middle somehow moved around, and maybe your feet moved. I don't know. That seems like a lot of core work. Well, yeah. Belly dancing is not easy from what I've heard. Have you ever tried to belly dance? No. You've never even, like, pretended to? It doesn't go well. If you're not Haven't used you? to moving those – You just did it this course. past week, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not used to moving those muscles, they're not going to move. They <laughs> – Your brain's telling them to move. They're like, no, we've been eating chips for some time now. We can hold a cup and that's about all we can do. She also taught belly dancing classes. She was also a yoga instructor and she reviewed restaurants for the local radio KMUW. Wow. I've done nothing with my life. I know. After reading that resume. Yeah. How do you even turn – what do you even do with that resume? You can do anything you want. She was obviously a free spirit. She also played the cello. Oh, she did more things. She did more. But wait, there's more. And my resume ends with me like,
1: I can open (laughs) a bag
0: of chips in complete silence. No one will even hear it. Um, Even with kids around, I can eat chocolate in closets. There's no telling how talented I could be (laughs) if any of these things were useful skills.
1: So something you forgot to mention, though, Melissa, was that she was also a pet person.
0: A pet person. Just
1: like me. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved pugs, which I guess I'll, I'll let her have that. Pug.
0: Whoa, pugs are cute, Mandy. I pugs like pugs. are like
1: the least cute dog <gasps> I can possibly think of. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel like you're either a pug person or you're not. So Tanya also, like I said in the beginning, she was kind of quirky. Well, one of the things that she did was that she would drink wine from a coffee cup, and she would say that it was to keep her cats from spilling it, right. or if she was like me, it would just be because it wasn't 5 o'clock yet, so you yeah. can't put it in anything else. <laughs> <laughs> On the evening of June third, 2015, Tanya had been hanging out at her boyfriend Jason Ellison's home until about nine ten p.m. She sent Jason a text message at around 20 after 9 to let him know that she had made it back to her house and said that she would call him later. When she failed to call him, he was surprised, but this is me speculating. Probably thought she had just gone to bed, so he wasn't alarmed at that. You don't just say like, "Oh, someone didn't call," so now I'm gonna, right? You know, look into it. So right. I'm sure he probably just assumed she fell asleep, or who knows, took a shower, did any had an American of
0: spirit and just sat outside. Yeah, exactly.
1: You never, you never know. The next day, Tanya was supposed to meet her belly dancing group for a performance at a major festival in Wichita that is held every year called Riverfest. Residents of the area look forward to the live concerts, river races, food trucks, celebrity appearances, and a big parade. This festival is a big deal to them, and performing at it would have been a big deal to Tanya. When she did not show up to the festival, her friends were very alarmed, and three of the women decided to go to her home to check on her. When they knocked on the door, they were greeted by Tanya's housemate, Curtis Mitchell. He told the women that Tanya wasn't there, which they did not believe. And they contacted Tanya's boyfriend, Jason, to share their concerns, and from there, he called the police himself at about 10.56 that
0: evening to just request a welfare check on Tanya. The friends in Jason all thought that there was something maybe off about Curtis. He was a 47-year-old musician who had previously owned a guitar store near Tanya's restaurant, and the two of them would occasionally play music together as part of a band. Tanya discovered that Curtis was struggling with a drinking problem and was very close to being homeless. And being the kind-hearted woman that she was, she took pity on him and offered for him to live in her basement while he got back on his feet. At some point while they'd been living together, their relationship began to break down and they began having arguments. In one of these fights, Tanya slapped him and told him he was no longer welcome in her home and that he needed to move out. When Jason called 911 that night, he informed the dispatcher that Tanya had recently told Curtis that he needed to move out and that he became very, quote, pissed off that he had to leave her house. And this was all according to things that Tanya had been telling Jason prior to this night that she's gone missing. He said that Curtis had been verbally abusive towards Tanya in the recent days. He said that everyone, including friends and co-workers, had tried to get in touch with Tanya, but that she hadn't responded to anyone, and the last confirmed sighting of her was when she left Jason's home the night before. Jason then made a chilling request. He asked the 911 operator to please check the basement, which was Curtis's area of the house. So it kind of sounds like they really already were kind of suspicious of Curtis. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if, especially that timetable of 910 to 920, like- That's they're only 10 minutes apart. He knows, you know, her habits, what she does, and they already have this history of having issues together.
1: When the police arrived at Tanya's house, they were also greeted by Curtis, who claimed that Tanya was not home. The officers returned to their cars to figure out what they needed to do next. And while they were still sitting outside the home, Curtis dialed 911 and said, quote, you just had some officers come by. They were looking for a missing person, and they probably need to get back over here because I have murdered her. So this is not a typical call that you would hear coming into 911. And no. not just because of what he's saying, but also because – um, and we'll link to this in the show notes as always. Mm-hmm. But the tone of his voice, I mean, it was like a – very polite business phone call. Like it was yeah. like nothing was wrong. I mean, he was just like, Yeah, they just need to come back because I have murdered her. And the dispatcher was like, Um, you did what? Yeah. And, you know, really kept it together. And that that's one thing with when you listen to nine one one tapes that always I'm always like so surprised that the um dispatchers can keep their composure when someone on the other line is telling them these they, chilling they things. Someone. Yeah, absolutely. But they have to do their job and they have to get the information. So that was the case here for sure. But um, it you guys have to go check out, check that out. We will link it and um, because it's you can't really even explain how how calm this yeah. person was while he was talking about this on the phone.
0: Yeah, it was like ordering pizza, but ordering a pizza you don't even really like from a restaurant you don't even really like. It's yeah. just kind of like, here's the information. I guess we'll do this. My wife wants pizza again. Whatever. Right.
1: So it's a very chilling call and it's just very eerie. So near the end of the call, he said that he was going to go back outside and sit on the front porch while he waited for the police to come back. He informed them that he was not armed and not planning on resisting arrest or he was just going to sit there and wait and just comply with whatever they wanted him to do. Sadly, Tanya's body was found in the basement of her home and police believe she had been dead for about 24 hours, most likely from blunt force trauma. She was just 45 years old. So that 24-hour timeline really lined up perfectly with what the boyfriend Jason had said that she had gotten home at, uh, you know, shortly after Mm 9 and that she never called him. So um, that all
0: seemed to line up so far with what they already had known. Right. Curtis admitted that in a fit of rage, he punched Tanya repeatedly until she collapsed. He then strangled her for several minutes until he thought she was dead. At that point, he tied her wrists and legs and dragged her body into the basement just in case she woke up and tried to escape or call for help. At any point, you can get out of this. If she can escape and call, you're looking at much much less charges. Like, I'll never understand the mind of a criminal. That means I'm not a criminal. Yeah, I think attempted
1: murder is still a pretty hefty charge, though, Melissa. It is, (laughs) but I feel – compared to murder? Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, and the person gets to live. You're forgetting that tidbit, Mandy. (sighs) Then everybody lives in this story. (laughs) He eventually admitted that he was thinking about the time that Tanya had slapped him and told him to leave shortly before he attacked her, completely unprovoked. At one point, he claimed that he and Tanya had been involved romantically and that he was distraught over the breakup. But Tanya's friends and boyfriend were all adamant that Tanya had absolutely no type of romantic relationship with Kurt. Which, P.S., if she did, doesn't really matter. And the fact that he says like he did this all unprovoked, so basically she showed up, he's like, oh, she slapped me. Five days days ago. ago. Yeah, whatever Yeah, I'm really going to just come unhinged now. Really? Curtis was charged with first-degree murder and pled guilty 12 days later. He continued to be just the most polite murderer you ever did see and even refused to ask for a lesser charge or punishment. His attorney said that he was a very polite client and always said that he knew what he had done was wrong and that he was ready to face the consequence. Fifty days after his arrest, he requested to be sentenced appropriately, and as a result, he was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 50 years before being eligible for parole. He would be 97 years old if he makes it until then.
1: So Tanya's friends were not impressed with his politeness and felt that the focus of the tragedy should be solidly on the violence against their friend, this woman, and not on Kurt's polite behavior in court, which I would agree, like... You don't it's, get brownie points for being polite in court. Just be you know, it's you insulting. Like yeah, it
0: is. You can do this now, but you couldn't do it before. Like you couldn't give her the same respect, right? So one friend said, and I quote,
1: "His actions in court in no way make up for his violent behavior when he chose to murder our friend." Exactly. That's, that gets it said. So today, uh, Tanya's soup kitchen is still in business and frequently has a line out the door with dozens of customers waiting to get themselves a nice warm soup and sandwich. Um, there's like, I went to their website and I'm honestly sad that it's not here. Like it looks like a place I would love to go to eat. Um, they have classic things on the menu, like the grandpa Ruby, which is their version of a Reuben sandwich. And then there's a few sandwiches that are a little more adventurous, such as this one that caught my eye. Um, it's called the blue key North and it has smoked Turkey and provolone with blueberry barbecue sauce on an onion Kaiser roll. So blueberry barbecue sauce. I would totally try
0: that. That sounds good. Yeah, I would try that on somebody else's plate. I wouldn't order it ever, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd steal it off your plate. I'd try it, Yeah, I but you can pay good. for it in case it's a mistake. I'm an adventurous eater. <laughs> not I lo- at all. I am. I love trying new, new waste.
1: things on my palate. I'm <laughs> not wasting my money with that
0: garbage. No.
1: So that was our story for this week. Um, we know it was kind of a shorter episode, so we decided – Gosh, we're good. To do another thing. We're full of so many ideas. <laughs> we decided to do another thing that we've never tested out before. So we're just going to test it out right now. There you go. <laughs> um, so I had this idea. And I thought it would be kind of fun to um, each of us pick a random thing. And I'm going to tell Melissa about my thing. And then she's going to tell me about her thing.
0: Where did you find this from?
1: I, <laughs> I will tell everyone proudly that I – Got this idea because I read Reddit, subreddits sometimes, and I like to look at the ones on Today I Learned. So it's always just random information, useless, completely useless information. Like the
0: whole beginning of our show. You're (laughs)
1: never going to need any of this. It's just one of the – it's just those interesting things that make you go, hmm. So. Do that one more time? Nope. Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Never again. (laughs) Literally, never. Okay, so uh, I'm going to tell you, Melissa, about this lady named Joan Ginther, and she might just be the luckiest woman in the world, or there might be something else there. So she has won the lottery four times uh, since 1993. She really, between 1993 and 2010, she won uh, million dollar jackpots uh, four different times. So, what would you say the odds of winning the lottery? Four times in your life are?
0: One in infinity times infinity.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very close. (laughs) The odds are actually one in 18 septillion. That's 24 zeros, by the way. um, And there are also only estimated to be one septillion grains of sand on the entire earth. So 18 times all the grains of sand on the earth. That's how
0: often that it would happen that you would win the lottery four times. So you just said so many words and I could not follow any of them. I would imagine as I started to write 24 zeros, I would get distracted and do something else. I couldn't even do that.
1: (laughs) So also this would only, they're saying that the odds of this happening would only if it were to happen, it would only occur once every quadrillion years. So more numbers. I don't really know. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't even tell you how many zeros that is. Um, So if, this sun eats up the earth. It's going to happen before quadrillion years passes. I would say. Oh my
0: gosh! Now we're all dead in this scenario. I hate this story. <laughs> so anyway, so Joan Ginther, uh,
1: in total, she won more than twenty million dollars, and three of her jackpots were from scratch offs, um, and she got them all in these small, small town of Bishop, Texas. So her final win was $10 million. And she got that ticket in in a town that's neighboring Bishop, Texas, um, called Kingsville. So a reporter from Harper's Magazine named Nathaniel Rich, I guess, outed this woman because he was his, his little brain got to turning. And he was like, there's literally no way anyone would be that lucky. And like, right. she has to have some kind of something is going on. She's obviously doing something. Well, he ended up Um, outlining all of these ways that she could have actually pulled this off and, like, cheated her way to it. As it turned out, she was a math professor with a PhD from Stanford University specializing in statistics. Hmm. So, of course, um, Mr. Nathaniel Rich, writing this article, was like, well, that's an interesting piece of information. And... um, he believed that she could have figured out the algorithm that determined where a winner is placed in each run of scratch-off tickets. So if she could do that, it wouldn't be that difficult for her to figure out where the tickets were going to be shipped, like what stores, because I guess there was a fixed shipping schedule on these things. You guys are going to learn how to cheat the lottery. Keep listening.
0: Here's a, Yeah, <laughs> but like, why should you be penalized for this? If you it's smart, if you if ask you me, get a degree in statistics—boring statistics. The least right. you can do is
1: win the lottery. Right. Exactly. I would agree. I don't know how this is cheating. Um, but I guess if you're going to all these links and you're looking up like where they're going to deliver these tickets, but that's what they're saying she did. And they, and they said that there was multiple ways she could have figured out like the shipping schedule and where they were going to do it. And they also believe that's why she chose small town Bishop because there's only so many stores, I guess in places there was some reason behind that. Um, so the Texas Lottery Commission does not expect, suspect foul play in this, and they say um, that they think she was just born under a lucky star, and they are not investigating. <laughs> I hope that's a this. direct that's a, quote. Um, that, is, that is a direct quote. Um, and however, a professor at the Institute for the Study of Gambling and Commercial Gaming at the University of Nevada, Reno. That sounds so boring. <laughs> it does. I didn't.
0: Can you? There's actually a institute for this. Yeah, they
1: study gambling and commercial gaming.
0: I don't even think it's a real institute. I think they just like (laughs) didn't want to fire somebody and was like, let's just make you this, your own thing over there.
1: So this professor that worked at this institute, um, was quoted as saying when something this unlikely happens in a casino, you arrest them first and ask questions later. They would just assume you were pulling a scam. Okay. Because you don't just get that lucky and they would assume you were cheating somehow or counting cards or whatever, which is illegal. Um, So the kicker is that Joan did not even live in Texas. She was born and raised, like she grew up in Bishop, but she had long since moved to Vegas, which is where, and I guess she was just going back and forth, driving to Bishop. All this came out that she was spending like thousands of dollars on these scratch-offs. And then, I I don't know, there was, she apparently had an accomplice and they were all just funneling money into this hobby, but I don't get that. How do you, you
0: just- Spend money. Honestly, to hopefully I think she's a so. genius. I see no problems <laughs> gaming the system. It's a game of luck, and you figured out how to be lucky.
1: Sign me I up. Don't think it's, I don't think it should be a crime, personally. Especially if she bought all those tickets. It's not like she stole the tickets, right? I'll, right? I'll give her 20 bucks, see what she can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, right? So there was some speculation that she may have been working with the um, – at the stores, like a cashier, because, you know, they have the barcode on the lottery tickets, and they right. can scan them and see if it's a winner. It'll, the computer will say if it's a winner or not. So that's, like, whenever you have a scratch-off that's a win, they yeah. always still scan it to make sure, it, like, the yeah, computer, yeah. like, beeps and everything. Um, but anyone can scan them at any time, you could check them and see if they're yeah. winners or not, you know? So – some people suspected that she was doing that, but anyway, yeah, four times winning the lottery and it was over a million dollars every time.
0: Wow! But was she miserable? Because you always hear about those lottery, like lottery are- ruined yeah. my life. I've
1: seen I there was like a whole show, yeah, about people who like said that the lottery ruined their life.
0: Yeah, it was a reality show, Mandy. I don't think it would ruin my life. No, I could find a way for it not to. That's for sure. So, Mandy even though this is a terrible Reddit thing, I decided (laughs) to go along with you on this idea. So my Today I Learned, I actually learned a few days prior to looking this up. In our Facebook group, um, Nikki P, she had posted about this and I was obsessed. But then I did the right thing and went on Mandy's Reddit thing, which is just like giving you a headache. As soon as you go on the page, (laughs) it's like constant migraine. and You're just trying to get off the page. So, um, but I found this on there. So, it is the story of Candace Bergen from Murphy Brown, how she was actually raised by her parents with her brother, and this relationship, is this ringing any bells, Mandy? I remember seeing this Yeah. Her dad was a famous ventriloquist, and they actually raised her and his dummy, Charlie McCarthy, as her brother. Like... That it was a ventriloquist dummy. It's a ventriloquist dummy. This is the creepiest thing I've ever Ugh.
1: freaking heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll have to link this in the show notes because you have to see these pictures. Literally, her as a baby and her mom and dad and Charlie are standing over her. And like she talks about in this article I read on Women's Day that um, her dad would like sit Charlie on one knee, her on the other, and like touch the back of her head to make her mouth move and his move. And... Um, And, like, pretend to talk through both of them. And, like, that's how he, like, showed that he loved her. And basically he had nothing to do with her except with Charlie the dummy. And he left, like, this whole thing in his will where he left her zero, which woman's got Murphy Brown money. She didn't need it. But left Charlie $10,000 because he was, like, his own companion in life and that he loved him and he was always there for him. And to my daughter, Candace, I leave jack crap. So if you see these pictures, they are haunting. There's a picture of him, like, on the staircase and her, like, kind of behind him or maybe vice versa. CPS failed this family. Like, somebody should have come in and taken her. It was terrible. That is awful. It is the most insane story. And, like, how is this 2018 and we just heard about this? Like, if you got raised with a brother as a dummy, I, I want to know. Like, tell, <laughs> tell us. That should be time's most interesting person. Let's do that instead. So, yeah. So that was my today I learned. This week I learned. And I'm still <laughs> reeling from this. Yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's interesting. Our um, show notes are going to have a lot of links. So we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We know it was a little bit different. Um, but we want to hear your feedback. If you like it, let us know. Um, if you don't like it, don't let us know. I can't deal with that. Just Maya. let us know. Just let us down gently.
0: Just say, you know what, guys? Send us I chocolate. I like the way you
1: do it all the time better. Don't do it like this again.
0: Yeah. This isn't necessarily like our plan to keep doing it. No, 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 no. Yeah. This was just that it was a shorter episode and we felt bad because we just came off of a week off and like- We didn't want to just throw you guys a like 25-minute episode. Yeah.
1: And make you think that we were going somewhere. We're not going anywhere. We're staying. Yeah. We're staying around. I mean, next week I'm we'll leaving. have a normal yeah, <laughs>
0: episode. There you go. So, thanks for sticking with us and letting us take a week off. I guess. Did you let <laughs> us? Did you get a vote? We didn't care about your vote anyway, whenever <laughs> you did vote for something. So, <laughs> so have a great week and we'll see you guys next week. Bye guys.
1: One of today's sponsors is True Crime Magazine. And for our listeners, they are giving away 100 2-year subscriptions for only $20. That's a $100 value. And for the next 48 hours, they're slipping two more best-selling true crime publications worth $139.99 into all Ultimate bundles with little to no additional cost. Head over to thecrimemag.com slash special
0: to learn more. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.